0: scripture will be coming from john 16 33 these things i've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace in the world you have tribulation but take courage i have overcome the world thank you all very much appreciate it good to see everyone today um, those of you that are in the audience i can see your smiling faces and i appreciate that very much those of you that's out there on social media i'm gonna uh, pretend i can see your face and i that you've got a big smile on that as well. Uh, and uh, it's good to see all of you. We uh, appreciate those of you joining us, visitors. You are our honored guests, and we are very grateful that you've come our way this morning. Um, and uh, those of you on social media, we appreciate you joining us again. We hope and pray that you would um, be able to be back with us soon. And uh, I know you're looking forward to that, and so we want to uh, encourage you to do that as soon as you're able Uh, We understand there's different people with different situations, and we understand that, but we are praying that we'll all be able to be together together soon. Brethren, I'm going to be talking, if you see here, this is part one of a two-part lesson, the world into which Christ came. There's two reasons I wanted to do this lesson at this time. Uh, One... Due to everything that's going on in our country at this time during the 2020, you know, you hear people, I've even heard some newscasts, you know, commentators say this. And then people that I know personally have also said, and if you're on social media, you see it as well. It's a pretty common theme out there that, that, that this year is the worst year in the history of our entire country, you know? That, that our country is just going downhill, they wonder if we're going to recover, they wonder if we've gone too far, you know, and, and that sort of thing, and, and that it's so terrible, and I'm not sugarcoating anything, brother, and I'm not making light of anything, but I do want to do a comparison and hopefully help us to get a proper perspective today in this regard. And then the second thing I hear is kind of similar to the first, and that is people say, um, people have said to me personally and also out on social media, you know what, that America has gone too far into heathenism. America has gone, quote, too far away from God, and the church today cannot recapture that. The church is going to be ineffective. The, the people don't want to hear the gospel. How many of you heard that? People don't want to hear the gospel. People don't want to hear the truth. People like the way they live. Uh, you know, we're not going to be able to do any good. We've gone too far for the church to be able to reach those folk. Now, brethren, uh, both of those <laughs> are absolutely not true. But, and, but I want you to look at this, okay? What was the world like in which Jesus Christ was born? Have you ever thought about that and, and how bad it was? And let's kind of do a little comparison today. Are things bad in America? Brethren, let me tell you, we live in a world of nonsense, don't we? I, I mean, you've heard the expression, common sense isn't so common anymore. We live in a world of godliness, uh... brutality we live in a world and i'm trying to be careful because we have children in here and i usually don't you know And i uh... where two men would drag a girl into a public restroom and brutally violate her repeatedly we live in a world where i read a mother filled a bathtub with boiling water and put her twelve month old child in. We live in a world full of Satanism, a world full of exploitation, corruption, perversions of every kind. We understand that, beloved. We live in a world, as the Bible says, where there's always going to be wars and rumors of wars. We live in a world where people use drugs and alcohol to escape reality. Every kind of sexual perversion. Pedophiles. Little children being trafficked for that reason. We live in a world where film producers and book producers spew filth and violence for profit and brag about it. We live in a world where people willingly kill babies from infanticide to partial birth abortion. And you say, well, Brother Green, you've just painted a horrible world. In a world like this, it's easy to get the impression that Christianity can't succeed, right? It's easy to do that. Many have come to the conclusion that in America it's a hopeless situation, that we're going against an overwhelming tide. I've had people say, you know what, there's going to come a time when when other countries are going to be sending missionaries to America because we're going to be so fallen. And I, I wouldn't argue with that. But brothers and sisters, we need to know that our Creator deals with the world as it is. We would like to say we would love it to be this way, But God deals with the world as it is. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. This is the world that Jesus Christ was born into. And let's make a little comparison, or help, uh, hopefully get a proper perspective this morning, okay? In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetriarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip was tetriarch of the region of um, Acherea, and uh, Trachonitis, I'm sorry... And Lysanias was the patriarch of Abilene. Y'all read that quick three times yourself. In the high priesthood of Annas and, and, and Caiaphas, the word of God came to, son, to John, the Z- son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Beloved, what does this tell us about the world that Jesus came into? And, and you can do a good study of history and see this. I'm sorry, let me finish this. Every ravine will be filled and every mountain will be, and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight and the rough uh, road smooth. And uh, fl- and all flesh will see the salvation of God. This is the world that Jesus came into, okay? Um, let's look at who this world Okay, beginning in verse 1. Um, and and that is this, okay? In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, okay? This man's been reigning for 15 years. Tiberius is 71 years old. He is a foul-mouthed, brutal, dirty, evil old man. He has murdered literally thousands of people to stay in office. His, again, I'm trying to be very careful, his preference was for little children, particularly little boys. He made no bones about that. When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, we go on to the second person that's mentioned here. He was a man who lusted after political power and was willing to kill people in order to obtain it and maintain it. Actually, that was not an unusual thing for just about everybody in office in that day and age. He turned an innocent Jesus over to a murderous mob for political expediency, even after admitting that he found no fault in that man and that he was innocent. The Bible says next about Herod, who was tetriarch of Galilee. This is Herod Antipas, okay? Um, He is the one of whom Christ said upon hearing that Herod was determined to kill him. He said, you go tell, this is in Luke 13, 32 you go tell that fox behold i cast out demons and perform um uh miracles and cures today and tomorrow on the third day i reach my goal in other words jesus knew what he was going to do and it had nothing to do with the power or so-called power of this man um this man herod antipas had married several times um and uh for political expediency, and in some cases into incestuous relationships. He was a brutal, ungodly, murderous thug. If you read in verses 18 through 20 of our text in Luke chapter 3, you see there that it was he who put John the baptizer in jail and eventually had him killed. Philip the patriarch. He was the least corrupt. That's what the historians say about him. He was as corrupt, but he was the corrupt, but he was the least of them, the corrupt ones. How, how would you like to be bragged on like that? Annas and Caiaphas, who were the high priests of the Jewish religion, these are the religious leaders of the day and the world that Jesus was born into. The religion of the Jews had it all on straight, right? They had turned God's house, the temple, into a den of thieves. <clears throat> they used the animal sacrifices that were meant to be made to God as a means of immoral financial gain. They, uh, they received kickbacks from the sellers of those sacrifices and the money changers that would be in the temple. They were getting filthy rich over people trying to worship God. Annas and his son-in-law Caiaphas were the two who, on the Jewish side, made sure that Jesus was murdered. The world into which Christ came, brethren, was ruled by despicable, ungodly, evil men of almost unlimited power. This was the world in which Christianity was born. Every bit as bad, and I would say worse, than the times we live in today. We live in a wicked, sin so cruel, Christ-rejecting, God-hating world. There's no doubt about that, brethren. And you travel to some place in this world, and you'll see it so much more vividly than you see it here, even in America. And it's, it's tempting to think that we as Christians can't make an impact on this mess that we got ourselves into, right? Um, we often feel like we're that lone voice crying in the wilderness, like right? right? You know, like, I'm the only one that's really trying to do anything. And brethren, we need to understand that Christianity was born into this type of the world. So what was the impact of the first century church of Christ like? You look in the book of Acts and you can see that, brethren. Um, Our ancestors, they drank the water that was supposed to drown them and the fire that was supposed to burn them up, and they turned it into energy. You couldn't stop them. You couldn't stop them at all. The enemies of God put them in prison, and they, and, and they converted the jailers in the household. They'd sell them to Rome, and they, uh, and, and, and they would uh, be in prison in Rome, and they would convert Caesar's guards and some of his own family. They put John on the Isle of Patmos, as if that's going to get rid of him, and he writes a funeral sermon for Rome called Revelation. God's church, brothers and sisters, will not be defeated by an ungodly world. Say, how do you know that, preacher? Because Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I am upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Beloved, the church of Christ didn't grow up isolated from the world. They didn't. They were part of it. They engaged their culture. They went right into the thick of what we want to avoid today. They didn't pull inside the four walls of their meeting places wherever that was at the time. They were the light of the world. They were the salt of the earth. They were the movers and the shakers of their world. And they made a tremendous difference. Christianity thrived in a vile, cruel, immoral, superstitious, godless, idolatrous society. It It took on the whole world. And they took it on alone. They were unaided by any and opposed by many. And they whipped an idolatrous world to a standstill. They went up against the absolute most powerful nation and government that has ever ruled on the face of this earth to this day the mighty Roman Empire, who was determined to stamp them out in one generation by their own Caesar's account. Where's Rome today? Where's God's church today? Beloved, that is our history. That is our heritage. And you know what? We win. We will win. Read Revelation. The God we serve knows all about a sinful world. Beloved... That sinful world nailed his son to a cross. And he says, his church will not be defeated. That we can, if we will, overcome and triumph through Jesus Christ. So what do we got to do? Well, we got to remain faithful to Christ. That is the key. What do you mean remain faithful to Christ? Say, well, Brother Green, I'm a good Christian. I consider myself a good Christian. I go to church. I sing. I pray. I, I give to the contribution. I, I take the Lord's Supper. I, you know, uh, you know and, 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 and what are you doing out in the world? Brother, have you noticed the sign that we've had up for some time now that as you're pulling out of the drive, it says you're now entering into what? The mission field. Do we understand that? Do we understand, beloved, and I know that some of us are born and raised in this, so it's what I'm saying today sounds so radical to the churches in America when they were the norm in the New Testament church. Do we understand that we're not to pull in the four walls of a congregation and just fellowship with ourselves and be sweet with each other, you know, and we, we say we, we meet, greet, eat, and be sweet, right? And, and and do all those things together, that we need to fellowship one another. I'm not taking away from that. The Bible tells us to do that. But everything we do within the confines of the church, as we call it, and we are the church, is to prepare us to go out into the world and to be the light and the salt and to convert people to Jesus Christ. The New Testament church converted the very people who tried to destroy them. It was said in that day that from the blood of every martyr, a martyr was someone who gave their life to Christ, or for Christ, and that from the blood of every martyr, a thousand new Christians would rise. When we're willing to die for a cause, people are going to pay attention to that. So, what's the difference? You say, Brother Green, Jesus said the church is going to be victorious. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. So, so why, why, are we, why are we in the condition we're in today? Because, brethren, we're not doing what they did. If we do what they did, we'll get what they got. Amen? Is the gospel any less powerful today? Is Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit any less powerful today? No. But we're not taking it. You can have a stick of dynamite, set it on your bedside stand, and sit there forever. It's not going to do any good. You put it on a stump, light the fuse, and, and, and you're going to see some movement. We've got to light the fuse, brother. we got to be the dunamis. The, we, we've got to take it out to the world. I appreciate the songs that we're sang today along those lines. We've got to be that and do that we cannot allow the world to cause us to be ashamed of that powerful soul-saving gospel of Jesus Christ paul again in romans 1:16 says i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the jew first and also the greek as has been mentioned before, as we've looked at this verse, brothers and sisters, that word power there is the, is the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get our uh, English equivalent dynamo, dynamite. It's powerful. It's powerful. Read Psalms 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. It talks about God's word and everything God's word is able to do through you and in you. It's powerful. We've got to get it out there. We've got to share it, you know. We've got to got not allow the world to cause us to pull in on ourselves and within ourselves and, ju- and just, you know, support each other and, and preach to the choir. Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we will triumph if we do what he does. Says to do. That's the key. You said the gates of hell can't prevail against the Lord's church. No, brothers and sisters, but how does a how does an institution oftentimes die? It's not from the enemies without. It's from the complacency within. You ever see a big old huge... I had this in my yard. A oak tree that was so big around that, that we had 22-inch chainsaws and you couldn't go on either side and still get to the center. Big oak tree. I mean, that thing was so strong and sturdy, right? One of 60 miles an hour winds come through and blew it over. And you think, how in the world that could happen? Y'all know, right? You go around and you look where it was blown over at. And the center was hollow, rotted out to the core. So when the winds and the rains come and beat upon it, that house fell and great was the fall thereof, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Beloved, we have the power source. We've got to plug into it. And we will turn our world upside down for Jesus in one generation if we would do that. Jesus is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God is still omnipotent. Our text this morning mentioned the wicked rulers in Christ's time. Very wicked people. Some of them in their political office for years and years. They remained in that office by killing and murdering a whole lot of people. Where are those very powerful people that was mentioned in our text this morning? Where are they now? They're all gone. They're all gone. In spite of all their worldly power and riches, <coughs> they're gone. They're going to stand before an almighty God on the day of judgment. These wicked people, and all wicked people, the Bible says, in their wicked world is going to pass away. But the word of God that came into this world will remain forever. Y'all have heard, again, 1 John 2, 17. The world is passing away, also its lust. All oh, that's going to be gone, brethren, one day. It may be wrecking havoc right now, but all that evil stuff is going to be gone one day. But the one who does the will of God is going to live forever. Is that us? Is that us? Are we doing God's will? Are we carrying out the Great Commission? Brethren, that's what I want us to do, okay? You know what? The word of God and God's people that do his will and obey that word, we're going to be with the Lord forever. That's good news. Amen? So let me conclude, and the lesson will be yours, and we're going to talk about this again next week. The question this morning, isn't it, is can the church of Christ make a world-changing impact on this world today? Now, put a little asterisk by what I'm about to say. Put ten asterisks by. Absolutely. If we will commit ourselves to God and his will as our first century brothers and sisters did. That's the caveat, isn't it, brethren? That's that. That's it. What are we here for? What, according to the Bible, are we on this earth for? Why have we put here, as, as, as is said, you know, um, in the book of Ruth, at such a time as this. You know, why, why were we not born in the 1860s or something? Why were we all born in the 20th century? Well, some of you are the 21st, right now? Why were we all born at this time? The Bible says to glorify God and to do His will. And how do we glorify God? By doing His will. And unless we make Christ the center of our lives, then everything else we do on this earth, all the books we may write, all the sermons we preach, all the hymns we sing, all the Bible classes we attend, all the verses we quote, all the educational degrees we may receive, all the money we make, all the houses we build, all we do will pass away into nothing. Beloved, we're here to glorify God, to spread His Word. I want us to do that as a church. God wants us to do that at the church. We call it the Great Commission. We're very familiar with it. We need to do it. That's the lesson. If you're here today, if you're out there in TV land, as we say, on social media, and and you're listening, and you're not in Christ, friend, we want you to be on the winning team. It may not look like it right now. You look around this world as we've described this morning, it's not a pretty picture in a lot of areas, in a lot of ways. And you may think that we're losing. But the Bible makes it plain. God's people, God's faithful, are going to be with him in heaven for an eternity. It's going to be good there. All the things we mentioned today won't be there. It's going to be good there. There's two places we can spend in eternity, heaven or hell. That's all. No, when, I was, when I was younger, Tanya Tucker you to sing, if I die and I can't go to heaven, send me to Texas. There ain't going to be no Texas. It's them two. And we're all going to live in one of those two. But the choice is ours. Because God's given his son Jesus to be crucified on a cross so we can be saved through his blood and his sacrifice. So if you haven't come to him, friend, do that. There's nothing. There's nothing in this world worth spending eternity in destruction and the devil's hell. Nothing. And the beautiful thing is God has made it possible. The Bible says God's not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to Jesus. You haven't done that, and you need to, there would be no better time than right now while we stand and sing.